Everybody ready for an amazing time in God's Word this morning? Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too, man. Thank y'all for being here to worship this morning. Uh, man, great start, and we're going to keep on going as we dig through God's Word. Um, so let's go ahead and pray before we even get into it. Father God, I love you. I praise you. You are awesome. You are holy. You are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all the glory. So Lord, I pray this morning that you would uh, speak through me which is an amazing thing to even consider praying. But Lord, use your words. Accomplish the purpose for which you send them, that you would be glorified. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, back into the parables for a few weeks now. Uh, everybody glad about that? Man, it's been an amazing series. Uh, last Sunday, J.D. talked about the parable of the wedding feast, right? The king, he had sent out invitations for the wedding. Uh, but everybody that was invited uh, refused to come. That'd be jacked up, wouldn't it? Man, I mean, uh, some folks ain't going to make it to your wedding, but nobody. Um, so he sent out some more. He sent out uh, the servants to tell them to come another time that the banquet was prepared. So he tried twice to get them to come. I wouldn't have tried after the first time. I'd be like, forget you. Um, but they mistreated them, and they killed the servants. So the king sent more servants out into the streets. But this time, he invited everyone. Man, come to the feast. Man, the feast is ready. It's prepared. I want you to come. Man, anyone that would come that till the hall was filled was welcome. And, and, and here's the point. When the, the first ones were invited, the religious leaders and the people of Israel, uh, they were the ones who refused to come to the wedding feast. So God invited everyone else, right? The Gentiles, that's us. Uh, praise God he invited us. Amen. Amen. That's, that is incredibly good news that we've been invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Incredibly good news. thing was, man, when he invited everyone else, he even supplied the wedding clothes for them to wear for the wedding. And, and for us, that, that means it wasn't how good we were that prompted God to invite us into his kingdom, but how good Christ was and is as he continues to invite, invite those who, without standing of their own, uh, we couldn't even come into his kingdom. Man, many are invited uh, to, to accept Christ, to put on Christ, and to abide in Christ, uh, but few are chosen. And uh, J.D. used this scripture last week. It was uh, Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 24, and it says this. It says, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of not life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, and then put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And uh, man, that scripture just kind of folds right into our parable for today. It's the parable of the fig tree, and uh, that's going to be in Matthew 24, verses 32 through 35. Matthew 24, verses 32 through 35. And it's, it's within what's commonly called the Olivet Discourse, uh, which is verses, or chapter 24 and 25, um, which in, there's a number of parables through that. So we're going to be, be preaching through this for the next several weeks. Um, and the Olivet Discourse is really just an extended answer to a few questions asked by the disciples where Jesus tells them about the end times and how they and we should respond to those times. Uh, so I'll throw my nutshell out here a little early today. If you're a first-time visitor, where are our first-time folks? Cool, man. Thank you for being here. I think there's one over here, too. I won't make you raise your hand again. That's all right. 
But uh, I throw out a nutshell. So if you don't get nothing else, get this. Uh, because we know what is to come, it should change how we live our lives now. Our priorities and purpose should be radically different than what they were before we committed our lives to Jesus. Man, take that home. Stick it on your board. Is my life radically, truly, is it radically different than it was before I knew Jesus? And if I can't see that, there's an issue. So the scripture for the day, we're going to read through it, and then uh, we got to go back to the earlier in Matthew 24, but uh, let's just read through it for now. Uh, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. <clears throat> Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. <coughs> my voice might pass away. <coughs> Excuse me. That always helps when you do that after you take a drink. <coughs> All right, so uh, we have to look back. We need to take a look, a little synopsis of the previous part of chapter 24 up to the point to, to even get the point of the parable. So uh, Jesus is answering questions that the disciples asked, but he's telling what will happen at the end of the age. And there are different views on the timing of uh, the events, but it's, it's about the events of the tribulation period and when Jesus returns in power and might as the conquering king. Uh, no longer the lamb that was slain, but as the lion of the tribe of Judah. All right, so Matthew 24 gives us signs for when the tribulation period will take place and when Jesus returns. Uh, we won't know the exact time, but if we're alive then, uh, we are not going to be confused by when it, when it happens or when Jesus returns. It'll be, the truth is going to be clear. Uh, and at the end of chapter three, 23, uh, Jesus uh, he condemns, he's in the temple, and he condemns the scribes and the Pharisees, and, and he just really blasts them. That's the last time he's going to do that with them in the temple. I mean, it's a few days before his crucifixion. Time is drawn near. So he's, he's in the temple. He's done that, and the, the disciples in him, they're, they're walking towards the Mount of Olives. They left the temple, and they're walking toward the Mount, Mount of Olives, and, and one of the disciples makes a comment about the, the buildings of the temple. Uh, you know, how pretty it is, how beautiful. It doesn't really say, it just says they make a comment. And then in verse 2 of 24, it says, do, Jesus says, do you see all these things? He asked, truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Now, now Jesus doesn't give a specific timeline. So, and then verse 3 says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, and they said, tell us, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So, so these are the questions that brought about the discussion in chapter 24 and led into the parable of the fig tree. Jesus was describing a time when he would be gone from the earth and his disciples would be on their own. And he's not, not preaching to the crowds anymore. He's just teaching his disciples. He's sitting down with them and having a discussion. And in doing so, he's given prophecy about the end times. Now, the disciples, man, they just want to know what to expect. They know his time is drawn near. Soon he'll be gone. And uh, they need to know that they'll be able to carry on in his absence. Man, how awesome is that? That when 
we can see the storms on the horizon, or even if we're in the midst of them, you can come to the Lord with your concerns and with your fears and with your questions, and he'll sit down with you and give you what you need to persevere. Man, this is as true as he was doing it for them then, he will do it for you and I today. So Jesus goes into a rather lengthy explanation about his return and what will happen prior to that and the, the signs that will be given at the end of the age. Now, uh, David Jeremiah on the tribulation period said there was a, Jesus first explained about general signs that will precede the second coming. And he talks of people pretending to be Christ, of uh, wars, of rumors of wars, of famines and pestilence and earthquakes and and. This all is taking place between verse 4 and verse 14, first half of chapter 24. And, and none of these mean the end has arrived. They're just signs that the end's approaching. Verse 8 says, all these are just the beginnings of birth pains, labor pains. And, and we, we can see some of that now, right? Uh, it's not, we're not in the tribulation, but we see a foreshadow of what's to come in this tribulation. Uh, we see some of the craziness that they're talking about in the tribulation period. So uh, understand, it's not going to suddenly get better uh, until Jesus returns as the conquering king. Man, we can vote for who we want to, and this place, this rock is going to keep on degrading and falling apart until Jesus returns. Man, Christians will be persecuted and murdered. The world will have rejected Christ and his followers. False prophets will be deceiving many, and people who claim to follow Christ will fall away. We're even seeing more of that now, right? They even got a name for it, deconstructing your faith. You heard that? Where people, they, they start to, that, that's just what they're calling it. They, like, they were following the Lord and following the Lord, and then all of a sudden they don't believe no more. Well, my thought on that is if you can deconstruct your faith, God never construct your, constructed your faith to begin with. You won't never really save. Um, once... God takes you, and he makes you his own. Nothing, no one can snatch you out of his hands, all right? So I don't know what they got going on, but it won't with Jesus. But in the end times, man, false prophets will deceive many, and people who claim to follow Christ will fall away. But in the midst of all that, Jesus says this. He says, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And let's just read through that. It's Matthew 24, verses 12 through 13, 14. And it says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. And how awesome is that, man? There's going to be a revival taking place in the midst of the tribulation. People are going to be getting saved. As crazy as that is right now, now we don't have time to walk through all that today, uh, so we, we, we recognize that there's going to be these general signs that take place in the tribulation period. And, uh, and uh, Jeremiah also, David Jeremiah also talked about specific signs. He says, Jesus, then Jesus gives the specific sign of the beginning of the great tribulation in uh, Matthew 24, 15. Uh, the tribulation will be bad, but the great tribulation, which starts halfway through the tribulation period, will be even worse. It will be so awful that they should run for their lives without looking back. And the events of this will transpire in the last three and a half years and will be the worst the world's ever seen. So in that seven-year period, the last half of that, man, it's going to be worse than you could even imagine. Uh, Jesus tells of the prophecies of Daniel being fulfilled about the abomination to desolation defiling the temple. And, and many scholars believe that the destruction of the temple that Jesus spoke about with the disciples was actually this time in the uh, tribulation period. 
Others believe it was in 70 AD when the, temp- the literal temple was torn down. Uh, it'll be a, either way, it'll be a time like no other. Those that refuse to take the mark of the devil will have to flee into the desert. And if time weren't cut short, no one would have survived. False prophets and false messiahs will appear doing great signs and wonders, deceiving many. But then Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, see, I've told you ahead of time. I've told you ahead of time so you know what's going to happen. Man, even those that are alive during the tribulation will have been warmed, and it shouldn't be a surprise to them. And this last little section, verse 20, uh, chapter 24, verses 30, 29 through 31, uh, that leads into our uh, parable for today. It said, immediately after the distress of those days, uh, so after this tribulation period, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So, man, there's going to be some changes going on. Uh, it says, then, then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the people on the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming in, coming on the clouds of heaven with power and glory. Well, why would all the people in the earth be mourning? I mean, ain't that going to be a great day? Well, not for them, because he's coming in judgment, <laughs> all right? Um, those are the people who are recognizing now that the false people they were listening to weren't real, and that they've been deceived, but their time to repent has drawn to an end. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet of call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now the, the elect there in verse 31 will be those who are saved during the tribulation period that will be gathered up. Um, and if you want to take a deeper dive into the, to, uh, the tribulation period, you can go to uh, Revelations chapter 4 through 18. Uh, grab you a, a notebook, a pen, and a pocket full of question marks, and uh, go at it. Uh, but there's some uh, good stuff out there. Uh, David Jeremiah has some good books out that you can uh, dig into with. Um, you can get three different people that are writing about the, tri- the tribulation period and the end of times, and you're going to get three different answers on some things. All right, It's not about us figuring out the time and figuring everything out just right. It's about knowing that Jesus is the one that wins. All right? All right, ultimately, God is God. His plan is playing out. Um, So that's the setup for the parable of the fig tree. And a definition of a parable, a parable, literally, the word parable means cast beside, not aside, but beside. Uh, So you're taking one thing and putting it against another. Uh, A parable is an illustrative story by which a familiar idea is cast beside an unfamiliar idea in such a way that the comparison helps people better understand and grasp the unfamiliar idea. So that's the whole idea of parables, and that's, that's uh, definitely what the parable does today with the parable of the fig tree. Uh, the parables to remind us that God's plan prevails, right? Jesus has given us what we need to be able to stand when the time draws near. Uh, we can trust Him with our lives. We can, be rec- we can recognize the signs of the time and understand what's about to happen and know the one who is victorious. He's already victorious. He's won the victory already on the cross. Isaiah 51, 6 says this, Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Look, to the, look at the earth beneath. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment, and its inhabitants die like flies. But my salvation will last forever, and my righteousness will never fail. Man, that's the point of all the stuff coming up ahead uh, through the tribulation period and the end times is that we get that right now. Man, so, the, so what do we do? We, we just be faithful. 
Because that's truth, man. We just need to be faithful. Keep doing the work, the Lord, the work of the Lord, and don't let the foolishness and the chaos of this world draw you away from what, what God draw you away from God and what He's called you to do. Now back to my nutshell. Because we know what is to come, it should change how we live our lives. Our priorities and purpose should be radically different than what they were before we committed our lives to Jesus. Man. And I got a mini for you. I didn't throw my mini up there at first. Mini nutshell. When life gets hard, don't abandon the mission. Hey, when life gets hard, don't quit. Don't abandon the mission. Stay on track and abide in Jesus. You've got to stay connected to the power to accomplish your purpose. So let's walk through uh, our scripture for today. Hello. Look at our... All right. Back up. Let's walk through Matthew 24, 32 through 35. All right. So let's start reading through our, our parable today. It says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. So that's the familiar thing, right? They'd recognize that. Uh, even so, when you see all these things, you, do, you know that it is near right at the door. Okay, so. Uh, all right. Try it one more time. Take three. All right. Now, learn the lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you will know that it is near right at the door. Uh, the fig tree, it's doing what it always does. When the leaves sprout, you know summer's on the way. It's pretty basic. Therefore, when we see all these things happening, we can be con confident that the time is near that Jesus will return. Man, so, so what things is it? For us, uh, the signs from the first half of chapter 24, right? We can see the foreshadow of birth pains that are taking a place now and uh, right, that we talked about in verse 8 earlier, and they're going to continue getting worse, more intense, and it's just a size, sign of the times, right? So uh, that foreshadowing, think uh, Braxton Hicks contractions. Ladies, y'all remember those? Yeah, right? It's, uh, they're, they're false labor pains, all right? So uh, it's not the real thing, but it probably seems like it at the time. So we're going to be going through some rough time, but we're not there yet. Uh, but we're going to see a foreshadow of that. And just as they are a foreshadow of the true labor pains, the chaos today is a foreshadow for what is to come in the tribulation period. The time's drawing near. Well, well, how near is it for us? Well, it's nearer than it was. We don't know how long it's going to be. All right? Be faithful. It could be at like 12:15. So don't angle run longer than that. <laughs> we don't know. Be faithful because it could happen at any time. Verse 33, even so... When you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Now, all these things, of course, is just everything that we've just talked about. Go back and read through chapter 24. I just kind of skimmed over it. Uh, when it is right at the door, it's going to come quickly. All right? It's imminent. Jesus' return is right at the door. Uh, there, won't be any doubt, there won't be any doubt about what's about to happen when the sign of his return pops into heaven and all those things have happened. When all these things have happened, we'll know it. In verse 34, truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And the generation is the generation that will be alive 
when the tribulation comes. We don't know what that is, but that's the generation it'll be. Some would say, well, he's talking to the disciples. Well, all this hasn't happened, so that couldn't have been it. Um, when they see those things happening, they'll know that Jesus' return is imminent. It's about to happen. Now, Jesus, he's not one to sugarcoat anything, right? He doesn't sugarcoat what the tribulation is going to be like. Uh, instead, he reminds the disciples of who he is, right? Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Man, don't miss that. There will be a new heaven and a new work, and that's going to be awesome. But we, as disciples of Jesus, know that his words are never going to pass away. Uh, his words will always be truth, instruction, encouragement, correction. Man, they are food for our soul. Man, his words are to be lived by, and if necessary, to die by, and will hold us up through that as well. When all else fails, Jesus is with you, and he can be trusted because he is faithful. Man, and he will always be the way and the truth and the life. And there's no other name in heaven on which, or in earth on which you can be saved. But there is going to be a time when it's too late. Man, so be prepared. Be ready. Man, I heard it said one time that uh, prepare like you're going to be in. Some people think we're going to be here for the uh, tribulation period. I don't. It's not what I read in the Bible. Uh, but I heard a pastor say one time, he says, prepare like you're going to be there for the tribulation and pray that you won't. <laughs> all right? So uh, be prepared. All right? Because uh, when you're in the battle, it's too late to be trying to figure out how to get your armor on. All right? So we got enough uh, foreshadow happening now that we should already have our armor on every day. Um, it's too late to figure it out in the heat of the battle. Man, and don't be walking around spiritually naked, unarmed, and ignorant of the devil's schemes. Because too many times that's what we do. We get up and we walk out without any protection. And we're unarmed with the sword of the Spirit. And we're ignorant of the devil's schemes. What was our meaning? When life gets hard, don't abandon the mission. Man, be prepared. Be armored up. Man, our nutshell again, last time, I promise. Because we know what is to come, it should change how we live now. Our priorities and purpose should be radically different than what they were before we committed our lives to Jesus. Right? Because we know what is to come, we need to be in God's word committed to prayer, doing life together with God's people, sharing Jesus with people that don't know him, and meeting community needs in Jesus' name. Man, isn't that what the early church did, right? They lived and they loved on each other. It's Acts 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47 says they devoted themselves. One, they were devoted. Man, we don't use that word or we use it loosely. They were devoted not just to the Lord, but to each other. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, not just other believers, but of all the people. And don't, don't miss the result. And God the Lord, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, right? Because they lived and loved like Jesus, many came to know Jesus from the example of their lives and the words of their mouth, all right? It doesn't do any good for people to see us living and loving like Jesus if we're unwilling to tell them why. They just think we're really nice folks and they're going to hell. 
All right, man, if you're going to be weird to the world anyway, tell them why. All right, they're going to think we're weird. They're going to think, what are they doing? Why do they act like that? Why do they put up with that? Man, that's awesome. Tell them why, because Jesus put up with us when we didn't deserve it, and he created the way for us to be forgiven and restored into a, into a relationship with a holy God that's nothing like us in our sinful state. Man, tell them what happened. Man, I met Jesus, and I've just never been the same. It ain't got to be hard. Right, and I was this way, and then Jesus, Jesus came along, and, and I, I believed, and and then I was that way, and I ain't never turning back because this way is so much better than that way. And man, I don't ever want to be that person again. Right? Share your story. Share how your story is connected to God's story of redemption. Man, when you do that, man, God is going to use it every single time. Man, and as sons and daughters of the King, we should be consistently sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in the hopes that God would open people's hearts to the truth and his word and their need for a savior. Man, people are blind, and they're blind. God has to do that. But man, we need to be praying for God to work in people's hearts and that they would respond to him. I've been doing a study in pig. Uh, it's called uh, Faith Foundations by David Platt. And uh, last week was Why We're Here. And uh, he, he said that we fulfill our purpose when we prioritize knowing Jesus deeply and glorifying him widely. Uh, the joy comes when we know him intimately and we share him and his love with others, man. We should be the most joyful people in the world. Man, live that out. Grow as close to the Lord as you can and then share his love with others. Man, if you want to do something significant in your life that has eternal value, let God use you to advance his kingdom on earth. Man, you will bear much fruit for his kingdom and have his joy and his peace regardless of what's going on around you. Man, that's where we need to be at as a church to have the impact and the influence that God intends for us to have. Uh, I'm going to ask the band to come on up. Uh, I alluded to John 14:6 earlier, and it says that Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Man, there is no other way to God except through Jesus. Man, there's no greater greater truth to share than Jesus. And there's no better life to live than the life we have in Jesus. Man, draw near to God, share his truth, live in the joy of your salvation. Man, and salvation is not what we do for Jesus, not about what we do for Jesus. It's about what he's done for us. Uh, what we do for Jesus should flow out of our, uh, his, love for, his love for us overflowing onto others as we live love, speak, and serve others in his name and for his glory. Man, if you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life and the Savior of your soul, know that there is no other way to God except for the forgiveness available through the sacrificial death of Jesus on the cross. There's no greater truth to embrace than the reality that God knows you and loves you and has purpose for your life. And there's no better life to live than a life of surrendered and submitted uh, service to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus is forgiveness, restoration, peace, love, and purpose, and an eternity spent, spent with him. Man, even in the craziness of this life, man, there's nothing that even comes close. Man, so that's my prayer for each of us. If you're saved, live like it. Man, let the abundance of your relationship with Jesus overflow onto the lives of those around you and have great impact for his kingdom. Man, and if you don't, recognize that that's what you're looking for. You can fill it with whatever you want. And you're going to have a bunch of square, 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 square plugs trying to fit into a round hole. It's not going to work. You can shove them in there all you want, and they're not going to fit. 
because God placed that hole in you, and he's the only one that can fill it. Uh, so let's pray. Father God, I love you. I praise you. You are indeed an awesome Holy Father. I thank you for the reality that you love me and my sin. You love me enough to send your son to die on the cross that I would be able to be saved, to be restored, to be cleansed by you. So I praise you for that. I praise you that that is not unique to me. That is your desire for each person. So that we, that we would recognize our need for your forgiveness. And that we respond to the offer that you have made. So I thank you for that. I praise you for that. I pray that would be truth in each person's life here today. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Man, we're all at a different place. But we've all got another level to go. And none of us are there yet. You know how I know? Because I can see you. <laughs> Man, let God do what he wants to do. Man, it's, I'm talking to me right now. I want to let God do what he intends and wants to do in my life for his glory because that's going to be the best life I can live. Man, that's going to be the best impact I can have and I'll experience the most joy because I'm in his presence continually worshiping him, living for him, experience his presence. Uh, power at work in me and through me to accomplish those things he's purposed for my life and i want that for each and every one of us amen amen